Our scripture this morning will come from the book of Acts, chapter 18. We'll be in verse 1 through 17. Again, that's Acts 18, 1 through 17. You can find that on page 1102 in your pew Bible if you didn't bring a Bible with you. If you're new to us and you don't own a Bible, um, you can take that pew Bible home. It's not stealing. It's our free gift to you. We want you to have the word of God. We believe in its power and its importance in our lives and believe it will change yours as well. Luke writes, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own head. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Galio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So we we have Paul. We've been following Paul on his missionary journey, his second missionary journey. Last week, he was in Athens, which is the intellectual elitism place within the Roman Empire of that day. It's, It's where all the great thinkers lived. The philosophies were born out of that area. And Paul was there. And what he faced wasn't persecution. It wasn't a physical beating, he faced what preachers dread more than anything else, and that is indifference to the word of God. There's nothing more draining and defeating than to have 
the word of God preached and people just don't care one way or the other. It doesn't fire them up to persecute you and it doesn't fire them up to be on fire for Jesus. It's just indifference. They just go, meh. And that's what he was faced with in Athens. And so he travels 50 miles to Corinth. Now, when in Corinth, he, he, he was in a weakened state. He, he writes as much in his first letter to the, in, to the Corinthians. He writes in the second chapter, he goes, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul admitted to them that when he came to them, he was at his weakest moment. He was in fear and trembling. And Paul had a, a great reason to do so. It, we can imagine the culture shock that he must have had, excuse me, that he must have had upon his arrival in Corinth. Corinth would be the polar opposite of Athens. If Athens is the home of intellectual elitism, Corinth is the home of sin. It is sin city. It is the vanity fair of the Roman Empire. It is where sexual, sexual immorality comes to run rampant. Paul would later write a letter to the church in Rome. And in doing so in that first chapter, he describes what Corinth is like how they gave themselves over to a debased mind and all that they did in Corinth. And what a culture shock he must have had, just coming from indifference. And now he has this culture shock. And if he was met with indifference at intellectual elitism, he was definitely concerned that he would be met with persecution at the least here in this sinful city. See, Corinth was so sinful for 500 years, the Greek word Corinthianize meant to be sexually immoral. People weren't proud that they were from Corinth. People didn't proclaim they were. In fact, to be called a Corinthian was a slur. It was a slur and slander against your character and who you were as a person. So Paul enters into this sinful city, weak, with fear, and trembling. Because if we remember Paul's, Paul's journey, he faced persecution all along the way. He had a terrible beating in Philippi. He faced civil rejection and was run out of Thessalonica and Berea. And he was met with that indifference in Athens. He was worn out and down on himself. But there, the scripture tells us, upon his arrival in Corinth, being a tent maker himself and a former Jewish Pharisee, he knew of other Jewish tent makers named Priscilla and Aquila who lived in Corinth, for they had been scattered from Rome under the emperor Claudius. And he met up with them. So immediately, Paul, who's been traveling by himself since leaving Thessalonica, has now met up with other friends that he knows from his past. Now, Priscilla and Aquila, they become quite uh, well-known in the Christian world. They will leave Corinth with Paul. They'll travel to Ephesus, and then they will go throughout the world to other Gentile places, and eventually they end back up in Rome. In fact, they are often the ones given credit for starting the church in Rome, where Priscilla and Aquila. And Paul gives, when he writes that letter to the church in Rome that he's never been to, 
He writes about his friends. He said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Paul had nice things to say about these friends that he meets. So despite the culture shock, despite all that's gone wrong along his journey so far, he meets friends and he lives with them and makes tents with them and they come to faith in Christ. Well, then the scripture tells us while he's there in Corinth, Silas and Timothy, who had been left behind in Thessalonica, finally show up. They finally catch up to Paul in Corinth. So now his journeymen who have been going on this mission with him are there and they bring him a good report. They report how many people have come to faith in Thessalonica. And so while Paul's there in Corinth, he pins first Thessalonians. He writes it to them and he's encouraged by their faith. Now, Silas and Timothy also bring an offering to Paul that they had collected in Thessalonica and Berea, that they brought an offering so that his ministry could continue, so that he could eat, that he could travel and would be taken care of during this time. And the scripture even tells us he was having good results. He, he was saying the Corinthians and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. He's having great success in Corinth. And yet Paul was still down. He was still weak. He still had fear and was trembling in his own words. Could be that he was still recovering from that beating and that long journey. Could be that he was still demoralized over the indifference he found in Athens, expecting a bigger turnout to the reception of the gospel. And now he's here in Corinth where every night from the Acropolis, from the temple of Aphrodite, would descend 1,000 prostitutes onto the city in order that they might minister by plying their trade. Paul was not in a good space. He was in the midst of sin city and in the midst of low feelings. But the Lord came to him in a vision. And the Lord did not tell him to leave the city. He didn't say, this isn't a good place for you, you need to leave. Neither did the Lord say, condemn everyone in it for their sexual immorality. Rather, the Lord ministered to Paul and encouraged him to be faithful to the word. We hear the words right here in verses nine and 10. The Lord says, do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. I mean, for Paul, who's in his weakness, who's in fear and trembling, these are great words for someone who's wondering or who's ready to give up the battle. It's almost as if Paul was at a point in his career in proclaiming Christ and him crucified where he was ready to pack it up and go home and says the persecution, the beatings just aren't worth it anymore. Even Paul had these feelings. Even Paul was met at the lowest of lows. And God ministered to them, through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, these are great words for us to hear, to hear as well when we feel the unrelenting persistence of evil in our lives. When we begin to sense the forces of darkness are sending troops to defeat us. 
These are words of encouragement when we feel that our finest hour is about to become our lowest. And these words from the Lord, these serve as an antidote to our hopelessness. Listen to them. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Do not be afraid, the Lord says. Paul had begun to give way to fear. He writes it, I, was, I had fear and trembling. So the Lord says, don't be afraid. Paul had a right to be afraid though, right? Based on his past experiences, he can recall them. We can recall them ourselves as we've traveled through this. Paul's experience tells him persecution was coming his way. We remember, and he remembers, Pisidia, Antioch, Lystra, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. It followed him wherever he proclaimed Christ. Paul's experience told him that he needed to be watchful, afraid of what was coming next. Even so much so, we, we see what he did. He was teaching in the synagogues that the Christ was Jesus. So he's teaching amongst the Jews that all of these scriptures and point to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And as he's there in verse 6, it says, And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. He knew he was in for it. He had just told off the Jews. He then went and took up residence with a Gentile. And then he converted the head rabbi of the synagogue. If that's not going to make them mad, then nothing will. Paul understands this. This is based on life experience that he was ready for trouble to follow him. Paul was worrying about trouble that he was not yet facing. And it's something all of us do as well. Many of us are pros at it. We're good at borrowing trouble. At borrowing trouble that's not ours. We feel as though suffering as we wait to know we're suffering. Waiting to know that something bad is about to happen. That this plan surely isn't going to work out. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're, white. we're waiting to get bitten in the rear end by something we did. We're just waiting for the inevitable bad thing to happen. We are borrowing trouble that we haven't faced yet. And we're really good at it. But we sang this song this morning. Fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love. We get that because the apostle John writes that in his first letter, chapter four. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This perfect love is the perfect love found in Jesus Christ. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving that God loves each and every one of us. Amen? This is the perfect love. Fear doesn't stand a chance when we rest in that perfect love, when we stand in that love. This is what the Apostle John is saying. 
This is why the Lord is telling Paul, do not be afraid. Paul knows he's loved by God. So don't be afraid. Whatever happens in this world, do not fear it. Do not be afraid of it. For the Lord is with you and loves you. Nothing will harm your eternal destiny in this world. For the Lord has promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that there is nothing in life or death or anything in all creation that can ever separate you from his love. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he begins by telling Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, in his moment of weakness, who was in fear and trembling, do not be afraid when he had borrowed this trouble that he had not yet faced. In the scriptures, fear not or do not be afraid appears exactly 365 times. This is not by coincidence, folks. This is by design. It is the word of God. This is the ultimate authority for your lives. Hear this now. Do not be afraid. You can find all 365 scriptures. Read a different one every day so that you may be reminded by our great God. Do not be afraid. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And there is nothing that can cause in all of creation for him and his love to be separated from you. And this is what he's reminding Paul. Do not be afraid. God's love is enough. And see, the funny thing is when we borrow trouble, it's a lot like borrowing money, right? You're indebted to it. Now you've borrowed trouble and you're borrowing the worrying. And so now until the other shoe drops and still the bad happens, we are immobilized. We make all of our decisions based out of fear of what could be the consequence of that action. But God reminds us, do not be afraid. Don't be a slave to borrowed trouble, but live in the light of his love. And so he tells Paul in this short encouragement, two reasons not to be afraid. The first one, he says, for I am with you. For I am with you. God is with us. Paul believed in the Lord and was baptized and received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God was with him. He was not leaving him. And for those who are, have faith in Christ and have been baptized, the Spirit dwells within you as well. Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians in the first chapter, he says, this is the guarantee of your inheritance, that you have been given the Holy Spirit. Which means that on the day we come to collect our inheritance, which is eternal life, on the day we come to collect eternal life, the promise by God, we've been given the Holy Spirit in case God doesn't show up on closing day. So that means if God doesn't show up on closing date, the date we receive our inheritance, then we get to keep the Holy Spirit. And if we get to keep the Holy Spirit, that means God would have to cease to be God. So trust, be assured in your faith, in your baptism, that you have been saved and the Holy Spirit that dwells within you is the guarantee of that. And so that's why he says, don't be afraid for I am with you. 
John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement during the great revival on his dying words, his last words said, the best of all, God is with us. Amen. What great news that is. And so here in this sinful city, Paul is being encouraged. Don't be afraid for I am with you. And then he also says, for I have many in this city who are my people. He tells Paul, don't be afraid. Why? Because you aren't alone. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about trouble that hasn't come your way yet. Live today a life for Christ because you are not alone. He's with us. And there's many in this city who are his as well. So Paul, Paul stays for 18 months, the scripture tells us. That's the longest Paul stays anywhere. It's like he threw down roots in Corinth. In the sinful city, Paul throws down roots. Because in the midst of his fear and trembling, the Lord reassured him that he was not alone. And it's because he trusted that God was his mighty fortress, his refuge in times of trouble. And so God had this message for Paul. And he has one for you too. Don't be afraid. Quit borrowing your trouble. For behold, the Lord your God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to ever separate yourself from his love. So keep caring for others. Keep ministering to others. Keep speaking the name of Jesus. He is with you and he will protect you. No eternal damage will ever come your way with Christ protecting you. So First Christian Church of the Beaches, brothers and sisters in Christ, go. Go, for there are many on these beaches who belong to the Lord and are waiting for you to share that love of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we know that we borrow trouble and we're always worried about what's coming next. But you call us to trust in you, to not be afraid, for we are not alone. For you are with us and you have surrounded us by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the love you showed us through your son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection, that we may be forgiven and have eternal life with you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, reminding us, convicting us every day that you are near, that you know us and you care for us. May we live each day unafraid so that we may boldly live in the light of your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.